Hi guys, 75 here. I'm with Rugby United New York here in Times Square and you're watching Rugby Wrap Up. Coming up next, Major League Rugby history maker and barrier breaker, Tiffany Faye. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by Irish Rugby Tours, The Balanced Palette, Nutrition for Peak Performance, Afia Sports Training Group, and The Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in New York City. And we have the history-making, barrier-breaking, Major League Rugby coach, Tiffany Faye. Tiffany, welcome. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Tiffany, um, happy holidays. Happy holidays. We're waiting for that snow, but... Fingers crossed we get a white Christmas. I, I noticed that you're actually dressed like a civilian because it's Tuesday, the week before Christmas, while we're taping. That's right. <laughs> I wanted to feel like a human and not just a coach. Like a clown <laughs> when sitting I here like a clown? Right. Exactly. Okay. Are you, you calling me a clown? I think you are calling me a clown. Um, uh, you can. You have the permission. To <laughs> so, so, Tiffany, um, for the folks at home that are in a coma or living in a cave or under a rock, you are the first ever... Women's coach of a professional men's rugby league in the United States of America. It worked out that way, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, right? Matt. Yeah, um, huge deal, huge honor. Um, I think it's just a testament of the work that women have been doing in rugby, especially in the U.S. for a long time. Um, I just happened to be, you know, in the right uh, place at the right time, I think. Um, you know, obviously coming off a, a really good player profile and obviously with the World Cup opportunities open up and yeah I I credit you know everyone that's been working in the background all the women that have already been breaking barriers just not you know and then I just happen to represent them at another level so very excited but correct me if I'm wrong but your background is basically I think you were born in California uh, spent parts of your childhood in Samoa and New Zealand mostly Auckland yes correct all right, and you started playing rugby at the age of 16, mm -hmm. and you were in the back line. I was in the back line, yeah. I was a uh, center, 13, um, then went to 12, um, and then a few years later, the coach thought I, you know, had too much uh, Christmas festivities, so he put me at eight man, and then obviously coming over here, um, everyone's a little bit smaller, so, you know, Pete Steinberg was like, look, we want you on the pitch, but, you know, we'll give you a go at prop, so worked my way around the pitch a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, you, you work, saying that you worked your way around the pitch a little bit is a little bit of an understatement. You <laughs> became captain of the Eagles team that played in the World Cup in Ireland in 2017 as a prop and then came home and won a national championship for the New York Rugby Club as a back. Correct. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. I appreciate it. you've done your homework. <laughs> well, I watched it. I yeah. saw. I saw right, all of it. Right, and you you're know. New Yorker. Yeah, sorry. I'm a New York rugby fellow, New York that's rugby right, club that's member, right. a lesser known one, but I am. One. <laughs> you are. You are. We appreciate all your support. Um, yeah, that's that's actually how it went down. I mean, you know, playing at the the level club level versus international. You know, some of your skills are definitely transferable within um, the different positions, and you know, rugby's gotten to that stage now where the number on your jersey only really matters for set pieces otherwise the expectations you know around the pitches are the same they expect you to still be explosive know how to pass get your vision going you know be fit so 
uh, <laughs> yeah, now that you put it like that, it does sound a little bit. Well, I just, I, re- I just remember, I remember looking at the national championship matches, and I, I think you had to play like two in a back to back on days, right? Yes. So this is 15s. This isn't sevens. This is full on 15s, 40 minute halves, national championship tournament. And if you win, you got to play like the next day or a day after that. Yeah. So actually, it was a Friday and a Sunday. Right. So they give us a Saturday off. Yeah. That but. old Friday night, Sunday afternoon match, which doesn't really give you much time to, all you do is get stiff anyway. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, a lot of time off work. So it's big sacrifices, you know, from the women. But, you know, the WPL, that was their 10th year anniversary. So um, they've been doing it for a while, you know, hoping that progression is coming slowly. But we do want to get away from, you know, needing to take time off work to play at that level. Slowly yeah, that, but surely. That, that was insane. That was that was literally insane and, I, and and should never have been asked of you people. But you did it. You guys won. Mm-hmm. And... and Ironically, your head coach, or not really ironically, your head coach at the time was James English, who is now the director of rugby or general manager of Rugby United New York. That's right. Right? That's right. So he's not surprised to see you in a coaching capacity because actually rugby is in your blood. And for anybody out there that has any (laughs) doubt about her resume being on as a coach, Playing in Auckland since she's 16, surrounded by rugby. It's in her blood. She lived in Samoa. She lived in, in New Zealand. She's played in a World Cup, as, and she can play in the back line or in the front row and knows enough to talk rugby with basically anybody. Um, yeah, thanks, Matt. Well, um, it's the truth. Yeah, I, and I, I do think that um, that's partly probably why, you know, these doors are opening up. I do – I am fortunate to hang around, you know – People like yourselves, obviously James English, um, him, he was sort of like a coach mentor for me leading up to the World Cup. And then obviously uh, him being the coach and being captain in New York, we, we had a really good relationship. And I was always really transparent with him. And any questions I had, we bounced off each other. And I think uh, having someone like him to advocate for women's rugby as well, you know, um, I think it's, it's men like that him that are coming through that are also looking beyond that um, outside of, you know, the norm. So hopefully after this, it, it won't be unusual to see a title with women coaching men, if, if that makes sense. Well, and it is, it is appropriate because Rugby United New York, I guess, is uniting it's, everybody, right? I mean, yeah. it's living up to its name. That's right. And New York being a trendsetter, you know, in, in all aspects, I, I think it's absolutely appropriate and um, real swaggy New York style. All right. So I've got to ask you um, a couple of questions. Number one. You had to feel like it was a bit odd. I was on that bus ride up to the Boston area for the match against the New England Free Jacks with you. And I was just trying to put myself in your shoes because basically only woman on the bus, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see it as just, was it weird for you? Um, I, I mean, I wasn't uncomfortable, but it was... It was different, you know, uh, obviously being the first woman in this capacity, I, I imagine it's going to be a first of a lot of experiences like this. Um, but no, it wasn't. I, and I said this to uh, an interview last week that the, the boys are actually really, really supportive. And I think, yeah. you know, it's that environment um, at the team. They all call me coach. It's not 
Merso, you know, and I think uh, that sort of gives me that reassurance because it is. And, you know, I do sit there and I've always got a perspective going, wow, this is the first time, like, you know, got to hold my own, I got to represent. Um, but no, none of it was uncomfortable for me. Um, but again, it helps when you have the likes of James and obviously you're on the bus too. And the boys are just, they just treated me like any other coach and makes it very easy. Yeah. And, and you know, an early morning, early morning bus ride. <laughs> doesn't necessarily make for a loud bus, right? So it was a quiet bus. It and, was. And it's a professional atmosphere, so they're not going crazy anyway. Yeah. And it was even kind of tame on the way home. Not that I'm talking about what happened on the bus ride because I don't do that. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a professional environment. And I, I just, I was just wondering what that initial feeling for you was, just step walking up the steps of the bus and looking and then sitting down. Because you you, the coaches sit in the front. Yeah, I and mean, you, and you get to see the whole expanse of the bus and everybody sitting there, right? And it's like, okay, here well, we are. I um, it's funny because later on, I went to send a message to the boys. You know, they give them a time when we need them on, and just then was the first time like going into the changing shit. I was like, oh, I better make sure everyone's decent. But you know what? In my mind, I was like, this is what the men have been going through because usually it's all women, right? And the men are like having to knock on the door and give notice. So I was like, all right, like. You know, but that was the only time I was like, "Oh, this is different." Um, and there's a there's a good point. You, there is a bit of hypocrisy out there that <laughs> says, "Well, how does how can a woman coach a men's team?" Well, we can also just as very easily say, "How can a yeah, man it's been happening coach for years. a women's team?" Yeah, where it was only right? one man on the bus and the rest of women. So exactly. I'm just like putting myself in their shoes and go, "Well, if they could handle right. it." Um, right. yeah, do you speak to anybody about it? Do you do you seek advice? Do you talk to a Steinberg who? I hate to say is actually very good in the booth, Pete. I, it kills me to say that. It really pains me to say that. But uh, uh, do you, do you I've talked to a few you, people. You know? Yeah, um, I mean, I talked to to James a lot. Still, I talk I talked to a lot of like Lucy. She was my uh, co coach for New York. Uh, obviously, you know Steve Lewis as well, and Lara after the game in the weekend on the ride home. I'm always sort of because. It is a big deal, right? right. And, and, and when you say James, you're talking about James English, who was a male coach of a national winning New York rugby t club team. Exactly. Right. And Steve Lewis coaches women all the time. Yeah. And at the World Cup, there was all the women's teams had male coaches. Right. So it's, I can't say I was the first person that was the only sex of my, compared to everyone else. You know, it's right. just been happening the other way around. Frequent guest on Rugby Wrap Up, George Hook, was actually the Ireland's women's coach at one point. And he actually coached with the men's Eagles the first World Cup in 1987. Oh, wow. This guy's been around the block. That's why I have him on the show. <laughs> oh, okay. But, you know, so there is all this precedent set the other way. Yeah. You're now just reversing the pendulum, swinging the pendulum the other way. Right, right. And it's, it's pretty cool to watch. It is. You and know? Yeah, I know a lot of people probably assume that there's no one for like no other woman to look up to. That's not even, but the technicality is it's pro rugby, but there's actually been women coaching men for years, you know. So, and to me, it doesn't matter what level. Like, I have so many that I could reach out to and go, hey, how did you deal with this situation? And obviously, having coached at Monroe College as well, um, that's helped me, you know, prepare. So, yeah, different dynamic. I've always struggled with the dynamic of, growing up in New Zealand culture, rugby as well, versus American. So now it's like another... Now Tip, hold that thought. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Tiffany Faye after this. been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. 
and my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. Oh, that's good beer. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. And we are back. Tiffany, what would you say the skinny is on the comparison? What's the, what's the elevator pitch or the elevator two sentences that's the big difference between the culture of rugby on the level that you were playing in New Zealand compared to here? Oh, man, I go back and forth about this all the time. And I do think a lot of the rugby culture in New Zealand starts at home. Um, and because it's like, uh, you know, a lot of them are Polynesian, Maori, um, and obviously Pakeas as well, Europeans, um, a lot of the homes are sort of have the same values. Yeah. So a lot, So when you get on the pitch, it's not, you kind of almost speak the same language, but you're, you know, transferring onto skills. Whereas here, so many different, you know, like the melting pot, so you're having to, there's different dynamics, different cultures, and it's just taking, going to take us a little bit longer to, to find that, that humming. I mean, it's happening now, that right? Common, like that, that sweet spot, that common, yeah. that common ground. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's no issues with like the haka. It's, it's Maori, but everyone embraces right. it. You see like right. Richie McCaw going hard at it. You might know like they're not Maori, but they embrace it. Right. Um, so it's, I think to me that. Kieran Reed, Dan Carter, you yeah, know, yeah, ah, you yeah, know <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's probably the, the biggest difference for me. But again, um, you know, we're, we're finding our rhythm here. Obviously, it shows with our placements, our rankings going up. So it's getting there. It's exciting to see the, the rankings going up. And it was exciting to watch you in the Rugby World Cup for the women's side in 2017. How do you feel about how things are changing? Are they, is it too much of a glacial pace, you know, the, the pay scale or the potential per diem scale for the, for the national women's teams? What's it like for you watching that? progress after having been through it in Dublin yeah and working basically for peanuts <laughs> right yeah um hey look like you it's just two sides right because you're like wow we never got that stuff but at the same time it's like at that's where we're heading you know and I know that the generation before us saw us and was like wow you're so lucky you're playing a lot more games right. you're getting a lot more kit so it's it's tough in a way where you're like damn the struggles but at least you know, like your struggles today is to help the future, and that's what we all we all play this game for. Any sport is is always to make way for the people that are coming after us. So it'll be a lot more disappointing if I if I was to look back ten years and they're still doing getting the same stuff I did. You know, right. you expect them to be getting more. You expect everything to be growing and and going in a positive direction. So. Yeah, it's great, and we have a laugh about it. Going, that was you know we didn't get paid, but um, I mean I'm not I'm not sure. Like obviously that's something that uh, like Emily Barlow and Rob Kane are working towards, but yeah, we're all for it. We we want to see the programs grow and um, make that what we struggle like worth it. You know, right? So. so getting back to Rooney Rugby United New York. A is there a nickname yet? It's official for the team. Like you have the New England New England Free Jacks. You have the Seattle Sea Wolves. Yeah. You, have, you know, I'm, I know that Roosters is being tossed I'm, around. There. Yeah, that's the only one I've heard of too. Is the Roosters? Um, it's I ridiculous enough that it actually is kind of cool because <laughs> in New York City you got the 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 Rooney Roosters. That that could work. I mean, yeah, there's. 
I mean, there's a ring to it, obviously. Um, I haven't actually put much thought on it, but that's that's what I've heard so far. And they mentioned it at training the other night, and I was like, huh, when did that become a thing? But it's up to the boys, you know, up to the, the players. Um, All right, so we're not going to leave the marketing to you, but what is your role right now? Have you you got a defined role yet? Is it kind of still emerging? Is it is it materialized now that you, you say, okay, they say, okay, Tiff, you and the so-and-so take care of that or you do this and that what's the, what's the story yeah so you know mike and i have been talking about this a lot and i like mike's approach because he you know he was very open but he's like i'm just he wants to build the relationship between him and i you know figure out what my strengths are because at the same time i want to develop right and he also wants to see you know find that balance of using my strengths but also helping me in another area so i could grow as a coach uh, we've been talking a lot about defense. So lately I've been coming to practices and he sends out the plans. He's like, Tiff, just check on the quality control, especially around the breakdown. Yeah. That's something that a pet peeve of mine, like, you know, like consistency. So I think he, he appreciates my attention to detail and he's just been giving me all that little stuff uh, to do in, in between practices. But um, I think him and I are on the same page in terms of uh, making me focus on defense and giving me the skills and his vision and then obviously I need to go away and, you know, come up with a plan to how to implement that to complement his vision. But nothing concrete yet. Tiff, unfortunately, we're getting the sign that we are out of time. But before you go, I want you to tell me what the number 246 means. 246. That's right. 246. Eight. Ten. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, man, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, boy. You know what? You know what? Is my eagle? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's you were your going eagle now. Number. Oh, thank yeah. you. Okay. I wasn't sure. Oh, oh Matt, you know you're what? so good. You know what? These these people, I mean, I knew they it was just think that the just... eagle cap and everything else <laughs> is just another day at the, the office. No, I'm very right? impressed that you do that. Oh, I, again, um, I have faith. All right. Okay. Uh, on that note, we are out of time, but I want to wish you the best of luck. I'm a big fan as you know and uh, you know what to all those people out there that say <laughs> she doesn't have the credentials you're wrong because she does have credentials she has a meteoric rise in the coaching world sure but she's played top level rugby she's played in the back line she's played in the front row she's been a captain of a national team in a world cup and she's had a good run and she's also been a national championship captain that's right. Right? Yeah. Okay. Thanks so, for that. <laughs> uh, I'm on board, and I think everybody else around here is pretty much on board. And if they're not, they will be. Yeah. It's all right. We got time. Appreciate the support always. All right. Thanks, Tiffany, Matt. <laughs> uh, and on that note, on behalf of Tiffany Faye, Matt McCarthy, for Rugby Wrap-Up in New York City, happy holidays. We'll see you next time.